0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Breanne Showman, and I am joined today by Esther Adler. Esther is a yoga instructor and does a lot of work with meditation as well. She is a published author and a recent physical therapy school graduate. We had a great discussion today on mindfulness, how she uses mindfulness in her own life, how she uses it with her yoga clients, And how you can incorporate it into your life as well as into the life of your clients. I think you'll get a lot of good information from what she has to say. Things that you can apply into your life immediately. So let's tune in.
1: Esther, thank you for joining
0: me today. How are you?
1: I'm doing awesome. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing amazing. Had a great weekend and it's beautiful in Phoenix. So no complaints here. That's great. I love
1: Arizona. (laughs) Good <laughs> no place to live, <laughs> not yeah. the money. So, I, I drove through Arizona several times, once in the winter, and it was one of my favorite drives. Went to the Grand Canyon after two feet of snow fell the night before. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> best way to see it,
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. And that's the best time of year to come here when it's not crazy hot, when you're not used to it,
1: right? For sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, let's um, talk about you a little bit. Uh, We got to talking at a conference recently, and I absolutely love what you've done with your businesses in the past and kind of what you're looking to do with um, things going forward. And we really want to kind of dive into um, kind of what you've been doing in the past and how all that relates to just our overall health um, as functioning individuals. And so um, let's just kind of dive into your Um, what you've been doing as far as with the yoga, meditation, mindfulness, all of that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So got into uh, yoga and meditation as just a practitioner, Uh, was a full-time dancer and uh, was also going through a lot of stress uh, in my life at the time. In fact, I wrote a book about it, how you can take your worst moments in life and turn them into your greatest opportunities. And I focus on, some of the stressors that happen in people's lives and what you can do with each one. Yoga and meditation was one of the fundamental ways that really helped me through those, those difficult times in my life and brought me to mindfulness. And, and meditation and yoga is really a moving meditation is just one of many ways where you can get to that mindfulness state where your, your mind isn't running and uh, running you, where you're actually now running your mind and realizing that your thoughts just kinda move through you and if you don't take them so personally, you can really structure the thoughts and feelings that end up going through your mind and then therefore feel better and be able to create a little bit more of what you want. And so that's kinda where my journey started and um, ended up taking a lot of different kinds of classes And between the different meditations and classes and teachers that I've encountered that helped me, I created a class slash seminar um, where I began to help people uh, using some of the tools that have helped me. So first the book came along and then the seminars. I've since become a physical therapist and I have found that I use a lot of those tools for many of my patients, and also share them with clinicians themselves, because as we know, if our mind is crazy, and we're freaking out over silly things, and then we go and see a patient, we're probably not going to serve that patient that great, and that patient's going to feel it, and then, you know, it just becomes a vicious cycle, and then the more mindful we can be, then we can also help our patients, especially those dealing with chronic pain, then we can I think, really serve our patient and give them an additional tools that can help with their healing. So that's kind of what I've been doing and working on.
0: Awesome. Let's um, get into the mindfulness a little bit. Let's just define it since it, the word is thrown around a lot. We hear it a lot um, nowadays. But what does mindfulness actually mean when we're talking about it?
1: Well, again, there's so many different definitions, right? <laughs> and so what it was, What does it mean to me when I can actually be present enough where I can see the thoughts and the feelings that are going through me without actually taking it personally and be in a place where if I choose to change what's going on, I can. And it kind of gets a little bit deeper where you actually start to connect to that, the person inside of you that was still around when you were two, and will still be around when you're 92 and so on. So that true you never changes. And so connecting to that true person or that true spirit or whatever it is you want to use and quieting everything else down so that you can connect. And then you start to kind of feel your true power because of that. So if, who you are hasn't changed from the moment you were born until you die, even though you physically look different. Um, your 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 thoughts, your strengths, things that you might like to do change. Um, even your personality can change, right? I mean, everything about us can change, but who you truly are never changes. And getting to that place. Is, is a very powerful place to be. And it's a place where you can really start shifting how your life presents. Um, and if you feel that for a millisecond, or you feel that for five minutes, or you feel that for an hour, that's absolutely amazing. And so mindfulness doesn't have to be like, oh my goodness, I need to meditate 20 minutes a day in the morning with my eyes closed and my legs crossed in a yoga position. No. It's just one way, one of many, many ways. It's just about quieting things and really understanding the truth of who you are. And that's just how I see it. And when I feel that, and I don't always feel that, there are days where my mind is running and I'm totally a slave to my, my feelings and my thoughts. And, and at the same time, and I love what Eckhart Tolle says, he's a big mindfulness teacher. Um, wrote many, many books. And I quote him many times in my own book. And he says that if you can actually see yourself uh, with your thoughts moving, meaning you actually notice that you're not paying attention to who you are, that actually is presence. And so that's okay. So he says, like, give yourself permission to like, let your mind go. When you bring yourself back, you're right away in presence. You know, and we all have moments. And he says he has moments like that while he's meditating. That's why we call it meditation practice. And it's really, really powerful. I mean, just by paying attention, for example, to your breath, your breath immediately changes. Or you can pay attention to how your body feels. Now, I put people through, like, a, I do what I call it a body scan. I do it a lot to, for my pelvic floor patients. And it's just amazing, or, or people in chronic pain, right? By bringing attention to how your body feels, that immediately changes how your body feels. It's insane, but it totally is true, right? And when I learned that, I just couldn't believe it. I'll never forget there was a, there was a, and we hold emotions in our body, right? So by bringing attention to that, that also changes it. I had, this is way before I decided to go back to school as a physical therapist. I was full-time yoga teacher, loved chiropractic care because it was one of those things you could just go in, they crack your back and you feel better, right? I didn't understand this whole pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but that's what I used to do back then. And I went to the chiropractor. I had back pain, and I wasn't one who had back pain, but I had back pain and it wasn't going away. I did all the tips and tricks I knew as a yoga teacher and a Pilates teacher, it wasn't working. And I look in the mirror and this is when I was going through a really, really bad divorce. And I look in the mirror and it dawned on me how angry I was at my husband at the time. And as soon as I had that thought, the back pain went away. I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, wow, I was holding that anger there. And as soon as I put the attention to the why and the what, and I let it go, the pain, I swear to God, it was unbelievable. And I started to really appreciate the connection that we have to pain and our emotions and our thoughts. And so this brought me on this whole journey of bringing attention to our body and then bringing attention to our emotions Knowing that they're not really part of us and letting them go and how that completely changes everything And when I've done it with my pelvic floor patients and doing a body scan, Every single one of them told me how the pain that they were experiencing was almost eliminated. I couldn't believe it It was unbelievable. So I'm a true believer in that
0: Yeah, it's so true. i um, you know, I've seen it with patients and I've seen the same thing with myself there was like specifically I remember kind of similar to you back in February I flew out to Nashville for, um, for my mastermind conference that weekend and came back. It's just dealing with a lot of stress, both from that and both from some court stuff I was dealing with with my ex. And, but I had like a lot of neck tension, that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I was on a flight, I was in the hotel. So, you know, we deal with all that. Um, but like three days later I talked to my life coach, had a normal weekly call and I noticed, like, right after that call, my next stuff was all gone. So it was just carrying that stress and now all that emotional stuff. What you know, was just causing that pain. And it was the first time I've actually experienced the pain because of, or some type of pain because of that emotional response. And it's a good thing as a clinician to go through to really experience that. So, you know, you know, remember how your patients can respond to a lot of stuff going on in their lives and address those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I put people through, um, in my seminar is it's a, a moving meditation where I guide them through different... Um, It's almost like a body scan, but you're not still. You're actually moving and feeling different parts of your body. And it's guided and it gets a little intense and pretty crazy. And then I bring them through different emotions that I want them to feel to the fullest. And I start with more kind of calm emotions, build it up to a little bit more of the extreme emotion. I even have them screaming at some point. imagine a hundred people screaming and jumping and stamping in a room. Think of that two-year-old, right? You think of the two-year-old throwing a tantrum They throw it completely. You've never seen a two-year-old kind of mediocrely like just doing a passive-aggressive thing, right? They're just jumping and screaming and throwing things right, you know, maybe doing worse But then when it's over they're like mommy I want ice cream, right and they're totally fine, right? (laughs) What do we do? And I know I'm totally guilty of this, and I'll do the passive aggressive thing. I'll just be like, no, I'm not angry. No, I'm, yeah, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that, especially as girls, like, oh my God, like, are you upset at me? No, I'm not, I'm fine, you know? Like, and then like, we hold it onto it for like a week, you know? we are like, yeah, you know that time, like, you didn't like really talk to me nicely? Oh my God, like, just throw the tantrum, man. Like, get it all out, you know? <laughs> And then it ends up as lower back pain or sometimes worse than that, right? So, and then of course I'll have them do things like the complete opposite emotion of pure ecstasy. And so I bring them through a range because when I, I'm an incredibly emotional person but I think that has served me so well because I complete I'm like that two year old where I will completely feel the emotion. When I cry, I cry completely. When I laugh, like people almost want to call an ambulance because I'm laughing so hard. You know what I mean? But it's like so full that I don't allow especially what we would have termed negative emotion stay in my body. And then I allow it to move through me and then I can be more present and be more real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's served me really well and so i i try to get other people who are a little bit more i guess life has has uh, taught them to not be f- complete and full with their emotions to give them permission to experience it even if it'll just be for that one day and then they can decide if that's something they'll they want to further experience in their life you know and it's, it's just a lot of fun and, and i found it very rewarding to kind of put people through that yeah that's
0: awesome sounds neat it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Awesome.
1: When, when
0: we're talking about you as now you're a PT and you plan to kind of integrate this all together. And I think we've gone into it a little bit, but um, are you like, what's your vision as far as being a PT primarily and bringing in the mindfulness or continuing with your yoga primarily and med- and meditation stuff and bringing in the PT stuff as needed?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And honestly, I've, I've been trying to figure that out myself. Um, I'm definitely going to start off primarily as a physical therapist, but as I shared, I, I use mindfulness for all my patients and I use breath for all my patients, um, especially those again, dealing with chronic pain. I also share different aspects of yoga when appropriate. It's not appropriate for every patient, but I will share again, I, I bring up pelvic floor because I would I, I envision maybe 30 to 40 percent of my patients being pelvic floor and one of my business ideas, I'm creating an online program that is specific for, for women dealing with pelvic floor dysfunction. and yoga mindfulness meditation is going to be a key part of that program. That's always going to be everything of what I do. I mean, I would like to revisit those seminars that I told you about. That was like very, it was geared more for couples, but it can be, I I can, I can gear it for women that are dealing with pelvic floor dysfunction, or I, I can create something related to chronic pain. So I can now bridge that, that physical therapy part of me now that I have and and integrate all of my past mindfulness, yoga, meditation work that I've done in the past, a kind of nice me- mold of uh, two different, somewhat two different worlds, but help more people because of it.
0: Question for you with the pelvic floor and bringing in the yoga and the mindfulness meditation stuff to that. Do you find that... A lot of people with pelvic floor issues are also dealing with some sort of abuse issues as well.
1: Um, It's hard to say what the statistics are, but it is a question we ask every single patient because um, the um, exam is obviously very, it could be uncomfortable, right? We're doing an internal for almost every single person. We need to know if they've experienced some form of abuse. And at least in my experience, I would say 30% or so say yes of some sort. Most won't go into detail, and I'm not interested in the detail unless they want to tell me, Mm -hmm. but again – you know, that could be a trigger. If I were to do an internal exam, that can be a trigger for a lot of these women. And it's important, one, for me to know, but also for them to understand what we're doing, why, and if they're not comfortable with it, we don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. The, the exam just gives us more information, but we get a lot just from the subjective as well. So many times it's not that important. And obviously for the program I'm creating, I'm not going to be doing an internal exam, right? But I will be vetting every single person that wants to join the program through a very extensive questionnaire so that I know if they're appropriate and where they fit in you know Um, we get a lot of information by asking the right questions and stuff and abuse happens to a lot of people and I would say even though 30% say yes I would say a lot there might be more and just people they're not sharing yes with Mm -hmm. us it's a very uncomfortable question and You know, in the beginning, I was really uncomfortable asking women. I was so uncomfortable, but I realized it's important. It's really, really important for us to know. And um, not everybody has pain pelvic pain that comes to see us, right? So pelvic pain, we right away start to wonder. But even those that don't have pelvic pain can can have some sort of history. Mm-hmm. I would have to say, I mean, again, you look at the statistics just in the general world, and I think I read somewhere it was like 80% or more have some sort of history. So I'm getting 30%. I just think that maybe a lot of people are not saying yes. Want to. Yeah,
0: that'd be my guess. There's a big, I mean, it's unfortunate, but there's a big stigma about it, I think, still.
1: Oh, for sure. About admitting it. Absolutely.
0: Well, as a, like, talking with a clinician or um, even like a, you know, a coach out there, kind of what are some tips, tricks you can give to a, someone working with a, a patient or a client as far as? how to start addressing the mindfulness with their people with their clients
1: yeah and it's funny you were mentioning coach um you know you look at the top athletes and they do an as they do some aspect of mindfulness in their training you know you've heard of the these top athletes i'm i don't know names of these top athletes i'm so bad at names but um <laughs> You know, okay, Michael Jordan, right? I think he had said he he threw a thousand balls a day, not just shot, but like scored it in. He didn't stop until it was it was a thousand. So then there's the practice aspect, but then he talked about actually spending time thinking about scoring a thousand of those a day, right? So there was that meditation part. And you hear this all the time that a lot of times injured athletes will actually do this mental training, otherwise known as meditation, right? Where they're visualizing themselves succeeding in whatever sport they are they can't do. And then they heal and they go back to their training. And it's just, they're that much further ahead and they're able to to um, succeed in whatever sport they're doing. And there's so many stories of them. Of course, I can't think of one name right now, but I know I've. I've read many stories I'm sure you and your listeners know of some stories but it's it's old news right so Or if it's a coach, before they start the training, maybe having them visualize, maybe guiding their athlete through a visualization of whatever it is they want them to do. And then they start to do whatever it is they were visualizing. If it's a clinician, a physical therapist or a PTA or um, a similar thing, especially for patients that are agitated and nervous and, um, and or in pain, maybe start. Starting with a visualization or a body scan and calming everything down and literally shifting their mind from their pain to their body. And many times it's amazing, I'll say, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll start usually from the feet and go all the way up to the head and just slowly tell me, you know, how your, your feet are lying on the bed right now. Are they turned out? Are they turned in? Is one heavier? Is one lighter? So I ask a lot of questions. Now we're not there. They're coming in, let's say with abdominal pain and now their attention is just how their feet are lying on the bed. So the attention is now brought away from the pain and I go all the way up. Then I get to the part where let's say now we're at the abdominal pain, right? So now I say, tell me, you know, how your abdominals are feeling. Maybe they might be thinking, wow, it really hurts, right? And I'm like, okay, is one side of your belly heavier than the other? Is one side lighter? Again, now starting to associate, no, it's not pain I'm focusing on. It's just other feelings. Do you feel cold? Do you feel hungry? How are you breathing? Is your breath coming from your belly? And so starting to, again, just shifting their mind away from I'm feeling pain to, oh, there's other sensations I totally didn't realize, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that alone starts to change their pain. It's it's crazy but it totally works yeah
0: and then, you know as a clinician and just knowing the nerve pathways and everything it makes sense as far as just that science standpoint, we're distracting or we're sorting out those different nerve pathways of pain and, you know, light touch and sharp, cold, hot, you know, all the different possibilities. And so it really makes sense that what, you know, our mind might, or body thinks is pain at times, you know, isn't necessarily that.
1: Absolutely. So it's really using chronic pain, um, science, to start shifting and teach the NeuroPathways, wait, we can calm this down. Everything is okay. We have other sensations and, you know, kind of teaching those nerves to kind of calm down. Absolutely works.
0: Awesome. Let's dive in just a little bit. Um, Talk about your book. Um, I know... Kind of the basis of it, but kind of give us a little bit of synopsis of what it's about, who it's for, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so I wrote it in 2011, and it took me actually several years to to fully write it. Um, and it's a book; it's an inspirational memoir where um, when you start reading it, your jaw will drop. When you kind of start to see some of the things that I've gone through, we all go through things. You know, um, Buddha talked about how everybody has suffering that is part of what life life is. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to put a hold on you. That's the whole thing of again, meditation is you know, and that's I think why people got into meditation is because they couldn't take whatever suffering, whatever their story was in their life, right? And the book talks about um, some of the extreme trauma I went through, and some of it is pretty extreme where most people don't go through it, and how I turned that into opportunities, and how I shifted from essentially being this victim for the first twenty-five. Years years of my life. And I, I turned my life into an extraordinary life and used those, what we would term bad things and, and found really great things to come out of it. And I've learned to do that in everything in my life. So I don't really view things as bad anymore. Maybe they are challenges. We all have challenges. But, you know, I've learned that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are reasons people and results people, right? There really isn't anything in between. And for the first 25 years of my life, I was a reasons person. I was like, well, this is why I'm feeling bad. This is why I'm sad. This is why I'm poor. This is why... And they were all true, <laughs> but I wasn't getting any results. And I was miserable. And it was only when I started to learn how to become that results person, I turned those reasons of me feeling how I was feeling. And I turned them into incredible opportunities and I found my power again. And I and so I use a lot of my story. And so after every story, I kind of put the reader through some exercise that I use to help myself and give them the opportunity to try the exercise at home. That's so it's cool. Cool. Yeah, it's like a self-help book, but with
0: stories, a lot of stories in it. Very cool. Kind of close it off. Just any final thoughts you have, either for someone listening who has a lot of pain, has a lot of, like, just life stuff they're dealing with and could use mindfulness, or for the clinician or coach that's working with their athletes?
1: You know, something that... I always like to think about when when life gets really crazy. Um, I think you and I were talking, joking about this, like with weekends that are really, really nuts, which are not bad, to weekends that are super calm. It's kind of life has waves in it, right? And just learning to ride the waves. I mean, that's what surfers become really good at, where for hours they're just kind of hanging out and that's like a nice slow weekend. Everything's like nice and calm. They're just hanging. Then all of a sudden that crazy wave comes and they got to ride that wave and they got to know what they're doing, right? And so maybe finding an anchor, maybe being in a boat might be a little bit better at times and you actually have something to hold on to. As you get stronger, you can actually learn how to stand up or maybe lie down on that surfboard, right? Then you become a little stronger, then you can actually learn how to stand on that surfboard and ride those crazy waves. And so that's really what life's about, is just constantly just learning when it's appropriate to be on the boat, when it's appropriate to kind of lie on the surfboard, and when it's appropriate to stand on the surfboard. And they're all right. In other words, you can't actually do anything wrong in life. What might happen is you might fall off the surfboard, you know, and that's okay. And if you fall off the surfboard, just jump right back on, hold on to it, because you definitely don't want to (laughs) drown, <laughs> a little bit of a downer, right? But, I don't know. Most people can just jump back on, right? So, so just thinking that about life is it's just a bunch of waves. Don't take any of those waves personally and then become good at riding those waves. You know, it can be a good life lesson. I think it's helped me.
0: No, I I love that description. That's awesome. No one wants to reach out to you, has questions with the questions asked, or wants to talk with you. How can people find you?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually rebooting a few of my websites right now. So best ways to email me and I'll give you super easy emails, my name two times. So my name is Esther Adler, E S. T H E R, Adler is A D L E R, at, and then that whole thing again, estheradler.com.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Name of my book is Breaking the Chains to Freedom. Just let me know, if, you know, what you think of it. You can always uh, send me a message and uh, give me your thoughts, or you can even write a little thing on, on uh, Amazon if you enjoyed the book or even if you didn't. That's cool, too. Take <laughs> <laughs> think <you> either. <laughs> Any review is a review. It's
0: good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive into the book, actually, so I'm going to have to get it and dive into that here soon. Um, But thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad we got to have this chat, and um, I'm sure everyone else will love it, too. Awesome.
1: I'm excited. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.